Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 15 of the 17-18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on the programme, Manchester City remain eight points clear at the top of the Premier League table after leaving it late in midweek against Southampton. The question for this weekend is how many will they score against poor old pitiful David Moyes and West Ham United? Elsewhere, massive game on Saturday night. Arsenal struck five in midweek against United on Saturday, who struck four themselves against Watford. Will it be goals galore at the Emirates Stadium or Mourinho Park, that famous bus? So, across Saturday and Sunday, Chelsea against Newcastle is the 12.30 UK time kickoff. Across our three o'clock UK time games, Brighton are up against Liverpool. Huddersfield go to Everton. Burnley take on Leicester. It's Stoke Swansea. Watford Tottenham. What a game that looks like being. And West Brom Crystal Palace. The late is Arsenal against Manchester United. On Sunday, two games for you as Bournemouth take on Southampton. Then what will be known from Sunday at six o'clock UK time onwards... There's the massacre of the Etihad Stadium as City take on West Ham United. It's the Premier League preview show for the 15th week of the 17-18 season. Right, let's start the programme then with that massive game on Saturday. It's a 5.30 UK time kickoff between Arsenal and Manchester United. Great win for the Gunners against Huddersfield Town in midweek, but it wasn't as easy as all that, despite their rapid goals in the second half, giving them a comfortable victory. And it's Man United who they take on this weekend. They won at Watford. It was 4-2, but that wasn't too easy either. Let's hear from the two managers, Jose Mourinho, before him, Arsene Wenger. We want to, of course, to extend our record. And it's not a big game. It's a good uh, challenge. We have to enjoy the night first and then from tomorrow morning prepare for the Man United game. By doing well, we are doing well. So it will be an interesting game. I expect us to play better. I expect us to to create more. I expect our attacking players to be in a better day. I expect um, Marcos Martial, uh, Mata to to create more and to be more in control. I expect all these better things from from my team. But Brighton, a good team, I knew it, and um, I had no doubts that they could come here and give us problems like they like they give. 
Thoughts there of Jose Mourinho and Arsene Wenger. I'm joined on the preview show this week by our former Leicester, Southampton, West Ham, Sunderland and Republic of Ireland striker Feyenoord as well. David Connolly's alongside me. How are you, mate? You all right? Very good. You? Uh, yeah, doing really well, mate. Listen, what a game this looks like being. Arsenal have kind of found themselves some form in recent weeks. They've got three Premier League wins in a row for the first time this season. A big 5-0 thumping of Huddersfield Town in midweek. Goals from Lacazette, Sanchez, Giroud. Uh, Lacazette out this weekend, but everyone else looks like being all right from the midweek action. Um, I think Arsenal, all of a sudden, uh, have found a little bit of form, maybe earlier than we expected. Usually the first half of the season is terrible and the second half is great or vice versa. But they found it a little bit early. Uh, maybe the pressure's off them because no one's now expecting them to challenge for the title because the title race is over. They could be on for another second place finish, this kind of form. Well, they could be. Look, I mean, if you if you rewind a few weeks to the Man City game, we're always talking up their chances because I saw them last season against City and they did really, really well, particularly, obviously, at Wembley. They got past them there, but, you know, they were completely outclassed against Man City. Now, they're up against a Manchester side here who I feel can be beaten. Mm. I really do. I think Arsenal have got more than enough to cause them problems, particularly, look, they've got no Phil Jones. Eric Bay. I don't know if he's struggling. He might be back. Maybe Herrera will come back. Maybe Fellaini. I'm sure it'll be much change. And although I think Wenger's actually goaded Mourinho this week by saying they won't park the bus. When mm. I think he feels he's trying to talk Veng- um, uh, Jose out of parking the bus because he knows that Man United have to come and attack and he wants them they to attack. They won't, will they? You well, know they won't. That's right. Even now they won't. That's right, but that's the psychology from Wenger almost alluding to the fact that, look, you're Man United, you should be coming to play football and attack, but you won't. So I think, look, I think it's a fascinating encounter and I'm sure, I'm sure they have a really good chance here because, look, if he brings well back, back in, he's obviously scoring goals for fun against Man United. If he's got Giroud, he's in form as well. So, Whoever they go to, it looks like Ozil's back in form, obviously. So they've got plenty of goals in their side. And look, if they've got Koscielny and Monreal together, then you know, then they've got a chance of keeping it you know, fairly tight at the back as well. What about this home form that Arsenal have been on? They've won 12 home games in a row. Their best run since back in 2005. Um, and everyone who comes to the Emirates right now, they're not just getting beaten, they're getting blitzed by Arsenal, certainly going forward. Um, Mesut Ozil, fantastic in midweek. There's been lots of praise for him, certainly uh, from Arsene Wenger, saying he's playing like everyone is urging him to, full creativity and full effort. Uh, and I never think effort is a massive issue with him, but, but certainly getting in the right areas with, with the amount of running he does. But also... Not any massive opposition to them in the sense that, yes, they've thrashed Huddersfield and they're thrashing these other teams coming to the Emirates. The big challenge is now and they've got to deliver. Yeah, they do. Look, they've they've sort of flirted between different formations and systems, Arsenal. They, they haven't quite settled on, on one. You know, really, does it suit them, their 3-4-3? Three, three? I'm not so sure. Look, they lack discipline against Liverpool earlier in the season with Ramsey and, and Xhaka. But, you know, it, it seemed to work a little bit better when they played Chelsea. So I think it's one of them where, look, Arsene Wenger has stumbled across this formation, yeah. I feel. And I think it's a work in progress. The good news is, I feel that actually as the season's gone on, they've kind of improved in that formation. And I think that they will only continue to improve. I guess the key will be in January. Uh, you mentioned defensively there how important Monreal and Koscielny are. So Saeed Kalasinac, who has come in from Schalke during the summer, 
what an impression he's made. And not only is he defending stoically and he's such a big physical presence, maybe something they've lacked and they still lack in the centre of midfield, which, uh, because, of course, he's playing at the back and made sometimes left wing back as well. But when he gets into those positions like he did for Giroud's goal, which may have been the second against Huddersfield, he also showed what a smart footballer he is as well. Yeah, I think he's been a terrific signing. He's very good on the ball. As you, you know, that's one of the, I guess, one of the... Um, key traits they look for at Arsenal obviously they've got to be able to handle the ball as well and look with their goals going forward I guess it's how they could get that amount of players going forward in terms of what they have at the back so at the minute that player those three at the back enable him to have that sort of two behind the lone striker that really go and create and cause damage and it's been really exciting a lot of their games so far and I'm sure it'll only improve but the key to that is obviously the change from two centre-halves to three. Mm. Uh, for Manchester United, they've had some injury problems in recent weeks. You mentioned some of the players that may well be out, may be back for this week. Um, essentially, they've been playing a little bit of a stopgap side in recent weeks. Jesse Lingard's getting more minutes than maybe we thought he would. Uh, Lindelof has been playing and, and not settling in great in the Premier League, I think it's fair to say, in his opening few weeks. You've been Ashley Young playing left wing-back and actually being an absolute star uh, in that position, his couple of goals he scored against Watford, the free kick was was phenomenal. Are they a team as well that have stumbled into a formation because they've had no Pogba for a while, though he's back now, and Lukaku's not scoring as well, so things have to change a bit. Well, that's right. I mean, look, I think his preferred formation is definitely with two holding midfielders, but to me, that is not the Man United way. Mm. But saying that, they have scored a lot of goals, but just not away from home. And I just wonder whether that, that old Trafford pitch does help them. It's massive. I think it does help them out at home obviously with a crowd behind him but to me he, he loves that 4-2-3-1 he loves that solidity that those two players hold and provide now whether you do need Matic who looks like he could be out whether you need him and Fellaini in the same side to me you don't and that's what they lose with those two in there as it stands look Fellaini might be going anyway mm. Matic is out so for me this is this. Well, I'm not saying he's definitely. Out. It looks like he's out. This to me is one that actually they could catch Man United. They caught City at the wrong time, but I think they might catch United at the right time. You're looking at January a couple of times in your preview to both teams. If you were looking at Man United right now and whatever who, whatever leaves the club, who comes in for you? What are they lacking? What are they short of? Because I mean, goals they've scored 32. Uh, this season, in continue just eight, they've got a plus 24 goal difference. It's their best goal difference at this stage of the season since back in 2000-2001 where they won the league. You take City away from this, this campaign and you put them in any other season, this Man United team, and they're running away with it. So what can they do and how do they possibly address that gap, which is eight points, unbelievably? Well, look, I feel actually they have all the solutions within them. It's just whether Jose Mourinho decides to use them. So at the minute, Rashford is in and out. Mm. Will he come back in? He's not going to play in through the middle because he's got Lukaku. So where does he fit in? Well, if he fits in off the left, I liken it a bit to Man City where you know, Pep said he can't play Gabriel Jesus and Aguero mm. together because he's missing Bernard Mendy. Well, then he shoehorned Gabriel Jesus in on the left. Now, that's basically what Man United have done with, with Rashford. But at times, it, it, he left him out for a long spell, didn't play him. Then he was coming in off the bench. He's obviously been out again. Will he come back in? I think he's got the tools, but he's just not expansive enough. Mm. And if it was Pep in charge of that team, I'm sure there'd be far more. I imagine with that, those same United players, I reckon he'd be doing a similar job to what he's doing at Man City. Is there any scenario for you where Manchester United still win the Premier League? This season, no. There's no way they catch them. I don't. No, no, I don't think anyone's going to catch Man City, no. What if Man United will go on the front foot here, win massively at Arsenal, and 
somehow West Ham pull off an incredible miracle and feed the 5,000 with Cheku Kiate. I, I kind of want to know if it gets down to five points, whether you think United can go on a winning run like City have. I, I think they can, but whether they, you know, and they, they could sneak a win at, at Arsenal. You wouldn't put it past them if Mourinho parks the bus, which is the way that you know Arsenal have struggled to, to beat them. But I don't think... I'm just not sure they've got enough at this moment in time. Have they got enough like Man City in terms of, I think, how creative Pep's been with his side, playing three at the back as he did at the start of the season, but recognising that he can't play three at the back now. Mendy's mm. out, so he doesn't have that left wing back. So now going to four at the back. Look, he struggled at centre-half as well, Man City. Less so than Man United. He's obviously had Vincent Company out for the whole season. And, Ot- and Otamendi's still a liability as well. I mean. and, and Otamendi, who's, at, he's, who's been in and out as well. So, um, you know, if I look at what Pep's done with what he's had available, and they're still, what, 11 points clear? Eight at the moment, Eight? yeah. And, and it could well be 11 or this 11 weekend, depending Chelsea? on what happens. Uh, yeah. Um, listen, let's get on to Man City in a few moments' time. They've got West Ham uh, coming to the Etihad this weekend. But really briefly, before we go to break, uh, prediction for Arsenal, Man U. 2-1 Arsenal. 2-1 Arsenal. Well, that came out of nowhere. Uh, Nil-nil. You know it. Right, when we come back, we're going to talk about City and talk about oh, West Ham as well. It's the Premier League preview show. You're listening to the Premier League preview show for game week. What week is it? 15? I don't know. It's so depressing being a West Ham fan. I've stopped counting, to be honest with you. Uh, Manchester City away this weekend for West Ham, having been utterly humiliated by Everton in midweek. Wayne Rooney scored a hat-trick, hasn't done that for six years. He's been finished for two years, and still he managed to score a hat-trick somehow against West Ham United. How are the Hammers going to cope against the Manchester City team who are winning every single game right now. Their winning run is incredible. They even pulled it out the fire against Southampton in midweek. I mean, they did Huddersfield for 10 back in 1987. I fancy there might be another double digit this weekend. Let's hear from the two managers, shall we? Pep Guardiola of Manchester City, who's full of praise for his team's never-say-die attitude, and David Moyes, who is the worst person I could possibly imagine being under in a relegation scrap. Amazing. Winning in the last last breath, last second, so and a fantastic goal, and, uh, and uh, yeah, we're so happy to keep going and three more points. Well, I will be honest, in the last second said, well, maybe the term is over, but we tried so if it was one team who tried to win, it was Manchester City. So, and that is that is what I want on my teams. I think I've got to hope that this is where sort of you never know what happens in football comes in, because you know we wouldn't we certainly wouldn't be looking favourites. But I've got to say there's not many teams at the moment looking favourites when coming up against those teams just now. So we have to go there. You know, probably is the way you're asking the question means that you're not expecting us to do too much. So you're exactly right. You never know. That's it. Thoughts there, David Moyes, West Ham manager, before him, Pep Guardiola. David Connolly, a former West Ham striker, is alongside me. Before we talk about the Hammers, let's talk about Man City. And the way they celebrated that winning goal uh, against um, Southampton in midweek. Raheem Sterling, brilliant, finishing the corner. You had uh, Mendy running on the field. He's wearing like a protective boot and he's coming back from a long-term cruciate injury. Uh, And he's running on the field. You've got wild celebrations. You've got Guardiola running towards his players. It had the real feel of Federico Makeda scoring for United against Villa all those years ago when they had confirmed the title all but was that two games before the end. 
We're still six months away from the end of the season. Was that celebration a bit too much? Well, look, I think it's obviously just... To, to obviously get the victory like that, I think, was just your emotions overcome. And uh, uh, it's great to see, to be honest. It's brilliant. And I, th- I don't think it was disrespectful for anyone. I think it was just genuine emotion. And um, I-, I guess the pleasing thing for him, he might be looking at the sort of turnaround in Raheem Sterling. Mm. I was talking about com- the comparison Raheem Sterling and Jared Delefeu at, at Barcelona in terms of Delefeu at the minute at Barca reminds me of Sterling a couple of years ago. His, his final ball and his touch and his decision-making is off. But at the minute, Raheem Sterling seems like he's turned that corner and he is proving to be the difference. And who would have thought that amongst all those superstars? But he was a 50, 50 million pound signing, but mm. now he's playing like one. Uh, he scored the winning goal in the 84th minute or later in four different games for Man City this season. Real, real late against Southampton. What does it say about him that he's developed this composure under pressure? And when we talk about clutch players and clutch moments, that's what we ask for. And Raheem Sterling has become that somehow. Well, he has. And uh, I guess any player, and I see that I saw Wayne Rooney get taken off at Everton. And I was thinking, OK, he's... he's He's got the, the standing ovation, apart from Big Sam. But he's got the standing ovation. But why why take him off? Any player wants to stay on the pitch. The fact that he scored in the 84th minute means that actually now Pep's, he's got his confidence and he leaves him on. And the reason why he's got his confidence, is it because he's left him on? Or is it because he's he's now scored a goal and, and then he, and then he's left him on? What has given Pep that confidence in him? Is it the the, the sort of end product that Raheem now has to his game that means that he doesn't come off? Because wingers are notorious. They're the ones that normally get substituted. That's right. Number seven, first up. That's right. So, look, I think you, you reap what you sow. And at the minute, Pep showed his confidence in him and he's obviously returning that. And the fact he's staying on the pitch means obviously he's, he's able to impact and make those goals and I think it's great because you ask any player no, no one wants to be taken off brilliant comeback from City late in that game to get all three points and extend their winning run uh, they're almost the exact opposite of West Ham in every conceivable way and, and David Moyes is about as inspiring as a ham sandwich floating in an abandoned swimming pool so why on earth is he West Ham manager right now when we talk about new manager bounce and what they bring in and he says they were better in the second half and he's brought in a certain sense of organisation well, the organisation still is so depressingly lacking for West Ham. To lose 4-0 against Everton, and yes, they were unlucky. Rooney's penalty could have gone anywhere, and uh, it went straight back to him. He scores from the halfway line. Joe Hart's clearance, though poor, went straight back to Wayne Rooney. West Ham missed a penalty, all this sort of stuff. I understand there's an element of bad luck. But you look at that team. He set up a 4-3-3. Even Slavon Bilic stopped playing it because they kept getting utterly battered by teams. They kept conceding two, three, four, five goals. He's obviously not watched a single DVD of a West Ham game this year. Otherwise, I don't know where he's got it from. Marco Arnautovic never played right wing in his life. He's playing there three games in a row. He just hasn't done any work, any work at all, to know how to play with this team. And he says, I'm going to get other players in to stop making the mistakes. Well... Who's going to want to come to West Ham in January with David Moyes in charge, bottom of the league? Well, I tell you, that clip I think you just played for his post-match interview, he was very prickly and he was on, he was on the defensive. Uh, and, you know, he's, I guess, taking offence that people are questioning whether he can get something out of this team. Well, but he's a rubbish manager. He I is mean, a rubbish manager, long since finished. He has won two of 26 games in football, his last 26. This weekend, it'll be his 40th consecutive weekend as a manager in charge of a team in the bottom three, Sunderland last year were an utter disgrace. And he's come in and he's made West Ham somehow worse. I would let him go today. 
I would shake his hand and say, you know what, we have made a massive mistake here. You're an absolute wrong one. Well, look, th- it, th- that has happened before, obviously, with managers lasting uh, a ridiculous amount of time in terms of when clubs feel they've made a mistake. Now, whether they feel with David Moyes, but you know he's got a lot of support in the local press at the minute in terms of you know can't be judged on, on these games. Um, but if you look back at Sunderland at his time when he took over there, in terms of what he said publicly, it didn't inspire much confidence. And what he's saying, what he just said in your clip, doesn't really inspire too much confidence either. If you're planning on bringing a whole load of new players, and that's what you're saying, you know, vocally in the in the public domain, then obviously those players that are there, you lose you lose their trust as well. But if you if you look back at them, in terms of they, you know, they got hammered by Man United, the, the loss to Newcastle previously, we've gone over that. We have gone over that. I know, and those those days are gone. But obviously, then four 0 to West Ham. There's too many of those 4-0s, 3-0s, absolute hammerings. But he's mm. missing, look, he's missing a lot of players, you're, whether you're no, Fontes, you're No, Byrams, no, 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 no. You're Antonio. I know you're Sam a- Byron is not going to get in the first team. Jose Font is finished. And Andy Carroll wasn't playing this week. But he hasn't scored a goal all season. We're in December. He has scored a goal, so there's no loss. No. But he has two strikers on the bench in Sacco and Tony Martinez, who have scored goals. Uh, even the Premier League in the past in Sacco or Tony Martinez the under-23s. And he played Andre Ayo up front. And you know he can't play Ayo up front. You know how? If you've watched any West Ham games or Andre Ayo has been in them. It's literally just watching a few DVDs and you get this knowledge. He has done no work. He has done no work to even slightly understand any of these players. Well, look, if you... I'd also look, and what, what interests me as well is in terms of his, his coaching staff is quite interesting, bringing, bringing Stuart Pearce in. And, and Failure. Uh, Stuart has, has had a, a varied coaching career, but that, you know, that, that's fine. But he hasn't really been in the game that much. But, you know, uh, who's to say that's right or wrong? I, I just feel that that whole heart, and we had that with West Ham with Billich and, and Julian Dix. That's nothing against them. But I don't think heart and desire is, is necessarily enough at this stage. They need more than heart and desire from a coach. It needs to come from being really well coached and obviously man-managed to try and get something out of these players. Because you can get something out. We saw that last season. There it's are, a top 10 squad. There, there is a top 10 squad. Yes, there's players in there. But, but obviously, look, they are in a new stadium. And you cannot gloss yeah. that over. We have spoken about it. It's you, not a new stadium anymore, You mate. cannot gloss that over. I think it's massive because now, obviously... As soon well, Goodison as, Park's not a new stadium. That's right. But as soon as it turns at home and their home form has got to be important because, you know, away from home, you've got no chance. It's just no. it's just impossible in the Premier League. So the only team that seem to turn around away from are Burnley at the minute. And that's why they're sixth. Otherwise, I think they're struggling because they're under so much pressure at home. Have you ever known a new manager appointed mid-season to have had this bad a start. Like, he has brought nothing to the club. Slavin Bilic's team, if he never got sacked, would have lost at Watford, lost to Everton, and might have been out of scramble a draw against Leicester. He's been in charge for a month and has improved nothing. Look, Tom, we had this conversation before the Everton game. I said to you, that is a must-win game. Mm. And look at the games they got coming up. Look, they lost 4-0. <laughs> and what's coming up is very, very concerning. And look, I feel... I feel those players are almost... I'm almost waiting for the trap door there. Yep. And then to go and win a few games in the Championship and get promoted and have, a, have an easier season. Well, they're going to be in the Championship next year if David Moyes remains in charge. I guarantee you that. Uh, let's talk about Chelsea, who take on Newcastle United this weekend. It's a 12.30 UK time kickoff. Antonio Conte was sent off in midweek for his um, 
poor behaviour and poor actions complaining about Swansea time-wasting. And you know he goes too far in the dugout. And I'm pleased it's about time he got punished for it. And he apologised too. Uh, what happened? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that uh, I was frustrated uh, because uh, um, Swansea uh, was uh, wasting time. And uh, I said this uh, uh, to the fourth official uh, for, for a few times. But uh, I saw that the situation uh, uh, wasn't changing. And then, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's right in this case to, to ask apologize, apologize uh, for, uh, for this situation because uh, yeah, I was frustrated, but at the same time uh, I have to, uh, uh, to be more relaxed. <laughs> I love how people say I'm frustrated, like that excuses them acting like an eight-year-old, not getting the appropriate dessert at a party. It, it drives me mad, that. I'm glad he got punishment for that, uh, Antonio Conte. They weren't time-wasting Swansea. They're a team who are probably going to go down against the team whose striker is worth more than their entire team. So that's why they were doing it. But they struggled against Swansea to get that 1-0 win. They, they dominated the ball, as you'd imagine. Didn't create too much against the Swans. They had to do well, Fabianski, as well, to be fair. Um, but didn't quite find their rhythm again, Chelsea. No, but I think they're they're obviously just grinding out victories at the minute, and that's a good sign. Look, they've they've been in really good form, but they still find themselves due to City's form so far off them. It's incredible. But what they won five of the last six, and yep. um, you know, okay, they they, they got a one all draw with Liverpool, which was which which was okay. You know, that's fine. I'm sure they take that. But in the grand scheme of things, it just means that they dropped further and further behind City, which last weekend was a great great weekend for City. Chelsea, look. You know, he's, he's obviously, he's grinding out. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. The results against the uh, Swansea side, obviously Paul Clement going back there, which I'm sure had something to do with it. There was no way he was going to be embarrassed. Mm. He set them up to be really difficult to break down. And, and that's how it proved. And in the end, a 1-0 loss, I'm sure that, although it's another defeat for Swansea, for Paul Clement, at least they weren't, mm. I guess, embarrassed. Um. Big December on the way for Chelsea. They've got the win against Swansea done. Now it's strugglers all the way through for the rest of this month. It's really been kind to them, uh, the fixture computer. Is it a computer? I don't know. Anyway, however they do it, it's been kind to them. It's Newcastle at home this weekend, West Ham away, Huddersfield away, Southampton home, Everton away, Brighton home, Stoke home before the end of this calendar year. That 
is a run. If you win them all, then City drops some points, and they're likely to drop some points at some point, uh, City. Very nearly did in midweek. It might still be on for Chelsea. I think more, if you're going to look at someone who might chase them down, I'd look more at Chelsea than Man United, especially with those fixtures coming up. Well, look, I'm sure with, with the players that Hazard's going to come back in, they've got you know lot, so much strength and depth. that, And they're going to buy as well in January after that run, I think, as well. That second striker, Aubameyang, has been, has been linked with the club. That's right. And obviously, Victor Moses might be back and he's been brilliant for them. So I'm sure that, that they are going to continue to, to pick up points. There's no doubt about that. But it's just where the City drop enough. And um, I, I just can't see City dropping the points. So f- mm. I think they're going to be scrapping for probably second place with Arsenal. Uh, and really briefly, Newcastle United visitors this weekend. They were on a losing run, but came back from 2-0 down to get a 2-2 draw against West Bromwich Albion in midweek. Rafa Benitez, unsurprisingly very encouraged by the fight his players showed. Uh, scored goals at vital moments in that game. But I, I wonder at Newcastle United if they don't get the investment in January, which it doesn't look like they're going to get. The takeover is not really going to happen in time, and Mike Ashley's not going to spend it. Whether this squad and this group of players will be able to get enough points across the campaign. Well, look, they reached the dizzy heights. They were up to the Europa League places yeah. earlier in the season, which was incredible. But obviously, they've fallen off, I, I guess, to the to the mean now, where they're sort of mid-table, 12th, and I'm sure that actually they'd probably be delighted with. 12th, 11th, 10th, something like that. I think it'll be a really good first season for them. And obviously, yes, they've missed the likes of Jamal Lasalle. Definitely, mm. he's been a big blow for them. Once he comes back in, they need goals. That's their only problem. They're just not getting enough goals. Whether Mitrovic comes back in, Yozalu hasn't really you know, delivered for them. I think it's just the goals that they really need. And you know, I don't know what's going on with Jack Cole back up there. He's been banished. That's something that really just can't continue at, at, at that club. Look, he's played for them for a number of years now. I, I don't know what's gone on, but it's just not nice to have that. We saw it with Diego Costa at Chelsea, and mm. I know it doesn't really get the headlines maybe down south, but to have you know, a big player for them just completely ostracised. I've no idea what's going on there, but I think the sooner they resolve that, the better. Uh, Chelsea up against Newcastle, the early game of this weekend. Plenty more to get through. We're going to get on to Liverpool next to go to Brighton on Saturday. It's the Premier League preview show. You are listening to the Premier League preview show for game week 15 of the 17-18 season. Tom Rooney and David Connolly with you looking at the big games of this weekend. Let's go to our international feature match, shall we? At 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday as Brighton take on Liverpool. Brighton find themselves 10th in the table, uh, picking up points in midweek and continuing to pick up points across the season, perhaps where some wouldn't expect them to. They take on a Liverpool side who once again showed how good they are going forward, inspired by Mohamed Salah in midweek. But he came off the bench because Jurgen Klopp made six changes uh, going into that game. Let's hear from Klopp talking about making that many changes going into the Stoke game. I told the boys before, we have to do it. We have to do it because there's so many games are coming. Um, but um, if we win, everybody says it's a good idea. If we don't win, I say the manager has no idea. So uh, we, we don't have to think about that because we cannot do it in the right way. Only if we win, everything is right. Oh, boys did well and I'm happy about that. So six changes, David Connolly, for Liverpool. The week before, he was heavily criticised for leaving Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino on the bench, saying perhaps they weren't fit enough to play in that game against Chelsea, a game they ended up not winning when they probably should have done. Mane came on late and there was a bit of a confrontation between him and Klopp at the end of it. What do you make to the squad rotation at Liverpool? And also the former Mohamed Salah as well, because he even comes on for a few minutes and scores crackers left, right and centre. Well, look, he's, he's at, in absolutely sensational form. I can't really see it 
a weakness in it game in his game at the minute. He's mm. scored goals with his head. He scored goals with his left, with his right. He's created something out of nothing. He's scored tap-ins. I mean, he's just been absolutely sensational. Actually, when you look at their squad, I mean, it's just terrific. It, mm. You know, even you're not even talking about Coutinho, who's missed a large part of the season. Obviously, Mane's missed a large part of the season, yeah. and I guess their only weakness, which has been leveled at them, and and they do score a lot of goals, is obviously at the other end. <clears throat> and to me, that started, you know, obviously. Right at the start of the season, whether it's Lovren hauled off at half time, whether it's rotation of goalkeepers, to me, he should have signed one goalkeeper this, you know, this season. And and we have spoken about it. you disagree with me. I think he should have signed Jordan Pickford for I think thirty million mm. would, would have been, I think, very good money for a young English goalkeeper and just backed him. And for me, they're the only couple of mistakes that I think as Klopp has made. And what he's trying to do, I think, is just keep everything fresh. And he's still got like Adam Lallana to come back in, yep. Jordan Henderson to come back in. He's missed Nathaniel Klein. For basically the whole season, mm. a top top right back. So, you know, there's um, there's there's a lot of optimism I feel for Liverpool on the horizon. There really is. Got plenty of luck in midweek against Stoke. Mignolet probably should have been sent off in the first goal. Ball like it gone out before they scored it. Things turning their way. Will they on the South Coast this weekend at Brighton? They're a side who I think have got a brilliant first eleven. Brighton, but when they look towards the sub subs bench and they look at. Um, Solly March, who's a championship player. They've got a guy called Scudetto, I think his name is, who's one of the worst players I've ever seen play football. Came off the bench the other night. Um, the first team, though, very, very strong. The midfield, very strong. Uh, and with, with Gross and Proper and Izquierdo, they've got some real talent in there as well. Well, they have. Look, I think you've got to give a huge, huge compliment to Chris Hewton. Um He was assistant for Ireland when I was playing for Ireland, and I don't think there's many people who say a bad word against him because he just goes about his business in a very quiet manner, very thorough, very diligent, and you can tell his team just so well organised. Sort of mm. pre-season against Atletico Madrid, which I thought was a a good test before they played City they got stuffed as you'd expect against Man City but but that's not going to tell their story the only thing is how are they going to score goals mm. are they going to struggle to score goals they play a 4-4-2 but when I look at them they've just got relationships all over the pitch which I think helps whether it's Murray and Gross whether it's Duncan Duffy Knockart and Bruno in certain places they've got key relationships and look he's not going to be able to rotate his team and, and still pick up points he's, he's going to have to play pretty much that best 11 for as many games as he can to, just to get enough points. And I think he's doing a, an absolutely fantastic job with really limited resource. Look, David Proper, I know him from, he was at Vitesse, then he got a move to PSV. And they've had to, I think, spend 10 million on him, which is a, which is a lot of money. But, you know, that's the market. They're, they're looking for that value in, in other leagues because they just can't afford and they don't have the funds and players maybe won't go to them. Mm. So... I think he's doing a very, very good job. Uh, producer reminds me, the player I was looking for was Ezekiel Scalotto. Uh, if he comes on, just enjoy it. Uh, it. He's just one of the most baffling footballers I've ever seen. It's almost like he's trying to play football on ice without boots. It's great. Uh, listen, let's move on to Spurs. They go to Watford uh, this weekend. It's a three o'clock UK time kickoff. Let's hear from Maurizio Pochettino. Very disappointing for Spurs right now. Former's really tailed off. A loss to Leicester in midweek and one that Pochettino says means they're only now thinking of a top four finish. The reality is uh, that the gap is, is massive with, uh, with the first, uh, with Manchester City and uh, we need to assume and we need to accept uh, that our reality today is uh, try to be competitive again and, and win games if we want to be uh, fighting for the top four. Four losses in six domestic games for Spurs. Wins in the Champions League in that mix as well. But uh, I think we're poor against Leicester on uh, in midweek. It was a Tuesday night. I was doing the commentary of that game. It all merged into one this time of year. Uh, 
Some said they were unlucky, and they certainly had the chances to get something from that game. There was the chance for Lorente at the back post, and scored a goal uh, yet in the Premier League for Spurs. There was a chance for Christian Eriksen, inexplicably followed wide. However, Leicester were the first, uh, sorry, the best team from first minute to last. I thought they were, they were much more full of desire. They were better organised than Spurs, certainly in the first half, which was surprising. Devinson Sanchez looked weak in the tackle. Uh, Jamie Vardy bullied him all game long. What are you making at Spurs at the moment? Because there's, there's something very un-Pochettino-like about them. Is it the November curse again? Well, it could be. And look, he does work his players very, very hard. I guess added to that this season is the Champions League plus their new stadium. And I'm not you know, making excuses You're for them. You're obsessed with new stadiums, aren't I you? I am, because I, I feel that it's, uh, it's something that is you know, possibly not taken into account as much as it should have in terms of the bearing it has on results. So, look, you cannot deny they're playing in a foreign stadium to them. It's it's not like West Ham where it's their new stadium. It's a temporary home. Mm. But saying that, they have picked up some, some good results. Obviously, they had terrific wins against uh, Real and Dortmund. So, you can't level that. Saying that, Dortmund are in a, are in a difficult spell and Real are missing a lot of players and, no. and, and they're playing poorly in La Liga. So, you know, saying that, look, they put a lot, they expend a lot of energy in those games. And I think it's cost them in the league. There's no doubt. And it's a different challenge this season, managing that Champions League football and a new stadium. So I think there's a bit of a, a bounce effect there. Plus, plus they've missed Wanyama. They've missed Toby Alderweireld. 100% they have. They had the Deli Alley finger, which, you know, brought them a little bit of an attention. Harry Kane has missed a couple of games. And I just feel that he's slighted sort of song and I would have kept him involved a bit. Lamella's back. Mm. I... I I, I don't know. I, I just feel that at the minute they've just had too much on their plate this season and I, and I think it's one of those that moving stadium I think has come at exactly the wrong time for them. Mm. I think if they'd have stayed in White Hot Lane this season it would have been a completely different season for them. Good to see Eric Lamella back as you mentioned 13 months out with two separate hip surgeries and assisted a golf Harry Kane in a couple of minutes coming on in that loss against Leicester. Uh, to Watford, a great game. Every time you watch Watford this season, it's a brilliant game of football, as it was against Man United uh, in midweek. They were all but out of the game at 3-0, got it back to 3-2, then were stung by that Jesse Lingard winner. Marco Silva was a bit frustrated that Marcos Rocco didn't get sent off in the game and was frustrated about the entire evening, really, because I think he felt they were the better side. And going at 3-2, they were pushing for that equaliser and maybe would have gone on to win it. And it just shows that Watford somehow have got themselves on a level playing field with Manchester United and they look better than them. I mean, what, what has he been able to do to this group of players? Well, uh, you know, we've, we've spoken about Watford. I know you put a couple of players in your fancy team after me uh, yeah. recommending them early in the season. But they're on the bench. <laughs> they're on the bench and they keep getting points. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think he's got some, some terrific players there and Firminia down the right, I, I, I saw him very early on against Bournemouth Live. I thought he was he was excellent. Decore also very, very good. He's got Cleverly in there. They've got pace, the they've got power, they've got guile. Absolutely. And now he's, well, also, look, he signed on, they've got Andre Gray and Troy Deeney. Mm. And I was wondering, look, could they get them both in the same team? Can you imagine those two up top? That'd mm. be a real handful, as it is at the minute. He, he's never gone. It's gone for one or the other. They need to, because they're winning. That's right. But, but the key to this is Richarlison, who is, I've never seen a Brazilian that, compete so well in the air that's so aggressive that wants to win the ball uh, it's not something you associate with Brazilians mm. but I've been so impressed with him as I said from Bournemouth in I think it was August September he was fantastic and it's no no surprise to me that he has he continued in the same vein now he's might be playing him a bit more centrally now to get him on the ball a bit more but I think I think they're having a good season saying that they're not 
particularly, you know, in the best of form. Lost four out of six. Will Hughes looks like he might be out. Mm. So I think, um, you know, Cab- uh, Jonas Carbol, Britos, obviously uh, they've missed them as well. I think they're going to find it hard against Spurs in, in a sort of local derby, really. It's a big game for the Watford fans. I think this could be the time where Watford are able to pick up one of those big wins that teams like Burnley, like Watford, when they're having their great season, do a couple of times in the year. And I think this could be where uh, Spurs fully fall out of the mix for the top four, down to seventh after the midweek games and the win for Burnley that put them just above them. Uh, and they've got to get something here against Watford. But I fancy those Hornet boys. Right, uh, let's move on. Plenty more to get through. We want to talk about Leicester in a few moments' time. Claude Puel's done well, hasn't he? Has he? I'm not really sure. We'll get on to that. It's the Premier League preview show. I just love this festive frenzy of football we get every December, and we are right into it already games this weekend. We had a loaded midweek, as you know, and we have got plenty more coming up for you over the next few weeks. Seven games for some teams across December. Let's talk about Leicester City, shall we? Up against Burnley. Leicester, the champions of a couple of years ago against Burnley. A team who are this year's surprise package. A win for them over Bournemouth in midweek puts them up to sixth in the table. Burnley are just a point behind Liverpool right now. An incredible start to this season for them. David Connolly is alongside me, a former Leicester City striker. Uh, David, let's briefly talk about Leicester City. Claude Puel has come in and unlike David Moyes, has got some kind of bounce going from these players. You could argue they have better players than West Ham, sure. However, he has got them playing as quite a coherent unit. I thought they were brilliant against Spurs in midweek and he's also somehow started getting the best again out of Mares and Vardy. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at his previous jobs, I mean, he got something out of Hatim Benafa at Nice, and he just seems to have that calmness about him. Now, he's moved Mares around, came in, started him as a 10, then has now moved him back, back wide to the right, where his preferred position, he scored a cracking goal, didn't he, coming in off the right, in his usual, you know, place that he likes to receive and driving field. He just seems to have a nice way about him, Claude Puel. He's sort of he hasn't really figured Okazaki, but then he's he's tried to rotate his team, and whether it's Gray coming in, Okazaki, or Brighton, do you know what it seems like? That there's no one player that's sort of been shoved to one side or aligned in some way, which you had the feeling might have happened that with under Cray Shakespeare that certain players maybe too pally, possibly, mm. and it seems like he's a, he's a bit more um, professional. Not not in that sense. I just mean in the sense of he's professional in terms of right. You're going to do a job for this game. You're going to do a job for this game. And he mm. seems to be keeping the squad happy. And look, whether Mares can play as a ten, or you know, Chilwell can then play on the left instead of Albrighton or Gray. I think I think he got it wrong in some games in terms of being too expansive um, mm. against City. I think he was too expansive. He needed the diligence of of Chilwell as as left wing, and then Fuchs as left back. But I think he's he's given it a really good go. And look, he settled into that four-two-three-one, and I think they're just. Look, they will miss Kante. They would have missed Danny Drinkwater. Obviously, yeah. Adrian Silva, they can't even use. So, <laughs> Craig Shakespeare was unlucky. They had very, very hard fixtures at the start of the season. They're a little bit kinder now for Claude Puel, but you can't take away the job he's done. He's, he's, he's been terrific without yeah. really putting your finger on exactly what he's done. He just seems to, I guess it might be a case of managing that squad 
and and actually, you know, trying to rotate and keep, I wouldn't say keep everyone happy, but just being professional in terms of how he does it. And the fact he hasn't done a great deal does make you wonder what kind of impact Craig Shakespeare was having on that squad. Uh, Mark Albrighton's come back into great form and he was in and out under Shakespeare. Um, Vardy's form, though they're great pals, it, it kind of tailed off as well. And I've been really impressed with Wilfred Ndidi as well. I think he's been fantastic uh, in the last couple of weeks. We've got to talk about Burnley, though. I mean, another result for them midweek against Bournemouth. Uh, four wins in their last five. Uh, Robbie Brady's got a fabulous goal in that game. Everything about Burnley right now, it's just working for them. It's almost like hard work eventually pays off. That seems to be the message from from Burnley's season. Well, look, I think they've they've really had... They fought their biggest battle, really, which seems like they've kept hold of Sean Dyche. And, you know, with obviously all the other managerial appointments, they've still got him, which I think was absolutely crucial. I think him and his coaching staff have done a terrific job um, last season. They were similar, apart from on the road. They just couldn't pick up points. But this season, I think only Man City and Chelsea have more points on the road than them. Well, it's bizarre, isn't it? Put that together with a home record, and now you're talking, that they've had six going for, they could be in the Champions League places, which with the squad that he's got, look, Chris Wood, I think is a terrific signing, but you look at them and he's just getting something hard to beat, don't give a lot of goals away, and very industrious, workmanlike, but there's a lot more to it than that. I think there's a lot of work that goes on the training ground. Obviously, Sean Dice has carved for himself a terrific reputation as a, as a bright English manager. And look, they've managed to keep hold of him, Burnley, and I'm sure they're going to have a terrific season. Just keep nicking tight games. Just 14 goals scored this season. They find themselves in sixth above Spurs, just seven points behind Man U, who are in second, and they're having a phenomenal start, except for City, of course. Um, let's get a Stoke against Swansea. Another loss for Stoke in midweek against Liverpool. They had some bad luck. Uh, and you think about all the crises at West Brom and West Ham and Crystal Palace. They're the teams that are below them, along with Swansea. Uh, Stoke find themselves just three points outside the bottom three. This is a high-pressure game then for them uh, against the Swansea side, who I think, much like West Ham, look like there's very little case to be made for their survival this season. Well, look, Stoke have had a, a, a tough run. If you look in September, they, they lost 2-0 to Bristol City in the Cup. Then then they, they had a, a big defeat to Chelsea. Then they lost 7-2 to Man City. Um, they're struggling to score goals. Chuba Mottin is coming up with a couple, but... Um, He's not a striker, though, is he? They keep playing him up front. He's a winger. That's right. And a lot of it depends upon Shaqiri. I, I did the game live for Talk Sport um, against Leicester, and they came up with two really good goals, actually, but within it, I don't know how they stayed within the game and they spent a lot of money. Mm. They spent a lot of money on the likes of Vima and, you know, have we seen the most of it? I'm not too sure. Does three at the back suit them? I'm not too... Uh, I can't say that it does. I think they're in for a really, really difficult season and um, I think he's got his work cut out this season at, at Stoke. And look, Peter Crouch has come up with some important goals. but and He has to because there's no one else. That's right. And uh, he's been a terrific impact for them. But w- whether they can keep that going, I'm sure he can at his age. He'd want to. He says he can keep going till 40. But um, I think it's a big season for Stoke here. And you don't hear a lot from Stoke, do you? Mm. From the owners, from the, the chief exec. And it's, it's a, uh, I'd say it's an ideal place to go about your business. But it's, I guess their season has gone under the radar a little bit. Four games without a win, just above the four teams down the bottom. Uh, um, a couple of words on Swansea. A spirited performance against Chelsea in midweek. Fabianski played great, but another loss and another week where Renato Sanchez has hit the back pages for being just dreadful again. Well, look, Renato Sanchez, we've we've been here before Renato Sanchez. I, I, he, play, he passed the ball to the advertising hoarding because it was red. I mean, come on, man. He was meant to be the saviour of the season. 
Well, look. Without Tammy, they've got nothing. Didn't Slaven Bilic dodge a bullet? Because well, he wanted yeah. Renato Sanchez, and, and that was... Look, I've seen Renato Sanchez... So, I thought you were going to say in leaving West Ham. He certainly did. Well, I'd seen Renato Sanchez early on, and for me, he, he's he's not the answer. He's too young, too raw, too inexperienced, and you know what? He's not good enough at this moment in time. He's not. Swansea, why Tammy Abraham, with another rule I don't agree with, cannot play against yeah. his parent club, is ridiculous, and obviously they spent a lot of money on, on Wilfred Boney, and at the minute it hasn't been repaid. Difficult, difficult times for Paul Clement. He hasn't even been there a year. The anniversary hasn't come yet. And you just look at it and, and you wonder. Fingers crossed he can he can pick up some points and some results sooner rather than later. Uh, West Brom Crystal Palace this weekend. What a start as West Brom manager for Alan Pardew. Famed for the Pardew shuffle in the FA Cup final whilst Crystal Palace manager will be seeing the Baggies Boogie, as I saw it called in the papers today, uh, if he gets a win. That was bad, wasn't it? Uh, against uh, Palace for Albion this weekend. Let's hear from Pards. I think what I'll bring is um, um, hopefully uh, um, a game plan on the pitch that makes sense, whoever we play. Um, are we going to be the dominant force? Then, OK, this is what we're going to do. Are we up against a team that is uh, going to dominate us for long periods and how are we going to win? And it's those game plans and those choice of game plans that I, that, I, that I've got a decent record on. You know, I'm, I think I average 1.3 points per game in the Premier League over the last sort of seven, eight seasons. Um, and I hope to better that if I can. And I have done that in periods. Uh, I certainly did that when I went to Palace um, in a similar situation. So... Freeing the team up, giving them a bit of confidence, trying to get some results in the short term that give us confidence to, to, to maybe open up the pitch a little bit more. Thoughts there of Alan Pardew, the new West Bromwich Albion manager who's replaced uh, Tony Pulis. Uh, David, last couple of minutes of the programme. Uh, let's do West Brom Crystal Palace. How do you see this one going? I, I kind of fancy an Albion win here. Um, I'm not so sure. Look, I look at the Palace team and they've got match winners. They really have on their day who can create something out of nothing, whether it's Aha Townsend, Benteke or Kabayi. I just feel they've got something in them. Now, Alan Pardew there talking. And look, I played for him twice, signed me twice. So uh, he can be an exceptional manager, a really good man manager, very good with kind of younger pros, getting something out of them, you know, galvanising maybe some Mavericks. I can't see too many, though, in West Brom's team. Mm. Saying that, I think he will have them organised. There will be more attacking. But do you know what? Tony Pulis, he played that way at West Brom for a reason. And I've got a feeling it's it's going to be pretty difficult to turn that around in a short space of time in terms of the players that he has got. Mm. If I look at them, they look like really diligent. They are diligent, hard-working players. And they've got some ability like Rodriguez and Rondon. They can come up and score some goals. McLean, obviously, he's, well, he's done terrific for Ireland. But in terms of... Is he going to be suddenly turn them into the marauding attackers mm. that play with a free spirit and a free will? Maybe like the, you know some of the Palace players had, and um, I'm not so sure. So I, I think that this might be an away victory. Uh, if Palace won away, it would be stunning, but I can't see it happening. Though I do think Palace will survive this season. Maybe you could say they've got to win games likely to do so. Listen, final few seconds of the show. Give me a quick score for Bournemouth Southampton. We not mentioned it. 1-0 Southampton. 1-0 Southampton. I think Bournemouth are going to get a big three points and I'm going to go for 1-0 for them. Listen, we're out of time. David Connolly, thank you for your time. Um, great midweek of Premier League action. We're looking forward to a great weekend as well. The December programme gets right underway with some massive, massive games. And I think most importantly, we end the programme on this sentiment. Pray for West Ham. 67-1 to for 8-0. It's well worth a bet. This has been the Premier League preview show for another week. We'll see you next weekend. I've been Tom Rennie. Enjoy the football.
The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson, and me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of Howard Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.